0: You have got to be kidding me. That's the text that, after hours of trying to connect to Wi-Fi to send and receive messages, finally came through to my phone from my dad. A few minutes later, another text came through. You have got to be kidding me. This was the only thing my dad could say when he heard that Amanda and I's flight home had to make an emergency landing in Iran after one of the engines had stopped working. I followed up by informing him that we were doing well and didn't seem to be in any danger. A rescue plane was being sent from Norway and it should arrive in five hours. In the meantime, we were gonna be transported across town, uh, put up in a hotel so we could rest and enjoy a meal. And my dad responded to that news with one of my favorite texts ever. Okay, don't do anything dumb. Stay with the group. Don't post to Facebook. Don't take the shampoo or anything. I'll have to tell mom when she wonders why you haven't told her you landed. So it ended up working out. Amanda and I had a great time in Iran. We treated well, ate really good food. And eventually, it was about 24 hours later, the rescue plane came. Um, But I share this text exchange with you all because I think that this text received from my dad about not posting on Facebook and um, not telling my mom is actually a lot like the text that we're going to be thinking about tonight. See, we were living in a situation where our rescue was already on its way. The plane was in the air, and we knew that we would make it out eventually. But at the same time, we hadn't actually been completely rescued. There was still life to be lived in Iran. And so my dad was giving us instructions for how to live in that in-between time. And I think Romans 12 comes with a, a similar point. Paul has just thoroughly outlined and explained the gospel through many chapters, but it's made clear that life with him hasn't been fully realized yet. So the victory has already been won, but the the rescue has been accomplished, but it's not to be brought about fully until Christ returns or until we go and we meet him. These last chapters of Romans are Paul's instructions for living in the already and the not yet. Romans 12.12 is just a small part of this section of instructions, but provides much wisdom and encouragement Um, a lot more wisdom than don't take the shampoo. So let me read this verse for us and pray for our meditation on it tonight. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for gathering us together again this evening. We thank you for this new year we find ourselves in. We pray that you would use this time to strengthen and encourage us uh, even throughout 2024 that we might live rightly in the already and the not yet would you grow us tonight through your word in your name we pray amen so as we look at this text we're just going to spend time meditating on each of the three phrases found here so first of all we have rejoice in hope so of course we know what rejoice means rejoice means to find hope or sorry to find joy in or to delight in so Paul is commanding us to find our joy in hope. But what exactly does he mean by hope? We often use that word hope to mean something like a wish. Right? We wish for this thing to come true, but it, you know, it may or may not. I hope it rains this month and we get a day off of school. Or I hope there's more dinner options tonight than sliced hot dog pizza or shredded hot dog pizza. That's not the way that Paul is using hope here. Some of you are still getting it. Uh, Paul isn't telling us to rejoice in a wish that you know, may or may not came, come true. He's telling us uh, about a sure hope, a guarantee. We see this outlined elsewhere in Scripture, elsewhere in Romans, Romans 8. It says we're adopted as sons. That's our hope, that, and that one day our bodies will be redeemed. In 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4, um, Peter describes a living hope, that Christ himself is our hope. And this is the good news of the gospel. We rejoice because of Christ, and our hope is secure. If you're a Christian, you know that when you stand before God on Judgment Day, that God will welcome you into his everlasting kingdom, not because of anything that you've done, because if that's what it was based on, you wouldn't really have much hope at all, but because Christ took the penalty for your sin. So this is news that as Christians ought to get us excited This ought to make us rejoice. No matter how many times you've heard the gospel or thought about this truth, don't let the hope of the gospel stop amazing you. So dwell on this hope often. How do we do that? Romans 15, four tells us that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So that's telling us that we're reminded of our hope through the word of God, through the Bible. So as we're starting this new year, it's not too late to prioritize reading scripture. Let that be the way that you start each day of this new year, by reminding yourself of the hope that you have. So Pastor Josh, uh, I think a week or two ago, he sent out a number of different Bible reading plans. I would really encourage you to to follow one of those, or maybe find another one online. Many of them have these built-in catch-up days, so if you haven't done it these first seven days. There's still time. You can be caught up by the end of January. Uh, But make Bible reading a priority this year as you seek to follow this command of rejoicing in hope. And I think another God-given means of rejoicing in hope is through praising God through song. Now, any of the students who are here can tell you, as I've attempted to lead music, unfortunately, at youth group a couple times, that I'm not the greatest singer in the world. But If you're like me in that, don't let that stop you from singing praises to God. Um, You might not sing on key, but that's okay. Let the words, let the meditations of these songs drive you to rejoice and remind you of the hope that you have in Christ. I know when we first started attending here, we didn't necessarily know many of the songs. Maybe some of the words were unfamiliar. Um, Perhaps you're new and that might be true of you too, but... Over time, we've gotten to know these songs and we've gotten to really, I think, benefit as a result of these songs that are saturated in scripture, um, that are regularly just reminding us of the hope that we have. And so as you're singing these songs on Sunday morning, it doesn't have to sound great. It doesn't have to be as loud as Josh Manley, but see that Sunday morning as a time to rejoice and worship God and, and don't hold back. And you don't have to actually limit that time of rejoicing and that time of singing just to Sunday morning. Um, You can download the songs and you can listen and rejoice when you're in the car or at work or washing dishes. Uh, This is just a great way to keep the hope of the gospel on your mind throughout the week. And so I know just like a few years back, I started adding the songs that we sing in church to a playlist. And so like over time that's grown and it's just been a great way to rejoice in hope is by listening to this songs. Um, so if you have Apple Music, I'm happy to share that with you. Um, if you've got Spotify, I think there's a link on the church website. They've got many of the songs there too. So take those songs, download those songs, listen to them often. Let that drive you to rejoice in the hope of the gospel. And then what, one last note about hope for us to consider. Um, we're to rejoice in our hope, but we shouldn't be surprised if our hope maybe gets us into trouble. Uh, Acts 26, Paul has just been arrested and is standing trial before King Agrippa. And why? Well, he says it himself. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God. Because we are living in this in-between time of the already and the not yet, still living in this fallen world, we know that trials and tribulations will come. And so that's where the text turns to next. Be patient in tribulation. So, in the second phrase, Paul is warning us of tribulation. And he doesn't say be patient if tribulation, but in tribulation. This is a a sure thing for us in this fallen world. When tribulation comes, know that it is not a surprise to God. He's not caught off guard by what you're going through. Uh, Rather, even just as we considered this morning in the life of Joseph, God providentially uses everything in your life down to the smallest details for his good purposes. Romans 8.28 makes this clear when it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Thus, as Christians, we can patiently endure tribulation with confidence, knowing that all of the pain in the present will be seen as God's good providence in the end. Now, your natural reaction to tribulation likely won't be patience. I know I say all the time to Selah, we have to practice patience. She doesn't really know what that means, but she knows that she hates it. And uh, I, I have to admit, like, I'm similar. If I have to practice patience, I'm not too happy. I think that's human nature, uh, is to kind of just try to get things over with as quickly and painlessly as possible. But this verse is a reminder to trust God in those times when all we want to do is claw our way out or maybe even just throw ourselves a pity party. It's a reminder to trust that his timing is better than ours and to trust that it's happening for good and for his glory. And the good news is we're not called to um, suffer and to go through tribulation in isolation. That's why we have the church, why we have each other. God's given us each other to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn, really to bear one another's burdens. So you're called to be patient in tribulation, but not to do it alone. So if you're not fully connected to this body, join us in membership. Get to know one another. Invite people over to your home. Invite yourself over to somebody's house. You can invite yourself over to my house if I forget to invite you. Um, so make an effort to get to know other people. Uh, in doing so, you can help Bear their sufferings, but they can also help you. Um, Yeah, let the church remind you to trust that God has us enduring tribulation for good purposes that we likely can't see or know from our vantage point. Like a refiner's fire uses flames to purify a metal, so too does God use trials and tribulations to refine us to make us more like Christ. Because Christ is a supreme example of patience. Throughout the Gospels, we see again and again Christ exercising patience. Uh, He exercises patience when he's challenged by the religious authorities. He exercises even more patience as he's arrested without a fight and put on trial before Pontius Pilate. Um, As God of the universe, in that moment, he had every right and the full ability to take himself out of that situation, yet he patiently endured it, even all the way to being nailed to the cross. Let Christ's patience and suffering be an encouragement and a motivator for you when tribulation comes. Be confident that because he was supremely patient, we can be free to fail at this. We're not going to be perfectly patient, but that's okay because he was perfectly patient for us. Don't let trials and tribulations pull you away from the faith. Instead, let it push you to lean more on Christ. Let it drive you to prayer. And that's what Paul reminds us in the next and final phrase of Romans twelve twelve, which says to be constant in prayer. In Christ, we have unprecedented access to go before God. Now, I think this is something that those from the Old Testaments would have found astounding because back then there was uh, regular sacrifices that need to be made. Ultimately, it was something that the high priest would do. But now with Christ as our mediator— we have the opportunity to go before the God of the universe ourselves and to praise him and to make our requests known to him at any time. So this is astounding. This is a testament just to the grace of our good God. And what should we do with this grace? I think we should use it constantly. It's not something that's reserved for special occasions or before a meal or you know just to do a certain number of times a day. But we should live lives dependent on God through prayer. We should pray without ceasing. So don't ever fall into the trap of thinking that your prayers are a nuisance to God. That he reluctantly offers up this option of prayer, but hopes that we don't abuse that privilege. No, God delights to hear our prayers. He loves for us to go to him. He wants us to rely wholly on him, and he loves it when we do. Uh, he's never going to run out of grace for you. He's never going to get tired of hearing your prayers and working in your life. God is love, and he loves to love his children in this way. So again, as we start this new year, be proactive about growing your prayer life. Start by praying that the Lord would help you in this. Um, I've found that for me, in the morning, sometimes my prayers can often they wander, they get off track. Sometimes I have to like, wait, what was I doing? Oh, I was praying. Oh, yeah, I don't know how I got here. Like so, if that's you, if you similarly struggle with this, I find it really helpful to just make a list to plan out your prayer. So think through, you know, how are you going to praise God? Praising God, are we thanking God? Are we confessing sin to God? Making specific requests to Him, you can write out specifically, you know, the requests that we've prayed for this evening, and bring those to God once again throughout the week. Um, spend time each day then praying through your list. So I definitely don't think that your prayer needs to be scripted like this. Uh, Just like you can listen to music while you drive, work, or do dishes, know that you can pray while you're doing each of those things too. And actually, this is how we're called to live every day. And I think Paul ends this sentence here because it ties together these other two ideas we considered so well. We're called to rejoice in hope. That's not something we're doing in isolation. So let that rejoicing and hope drive you to pray prayers of praise to God. Similarly, when we're walking through tribulation, cling to God. Be quick to go to him in prayer and don't be afraid to go to him again and again and again. So as we start 2024 together with salvation already accomplished, God's kingdom not yet fully realized on this earth, let's live in light of the instructions Paul has given us. May this be a year of much rejoicing in the hope of the gospel. May we be patient and encourage one another to be patient in the tribulations that will surely come. And may we do all of these things prayerfully, wholly and completely relying on God as our source of strength.